Happy holidays. You're listening to Santa Claus's favorite pinball podcast, Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're at episode 295, and it's the holidays, so I have some time off. So you're going to get more of Canada as a holiday treat. On this episode, we're going to talk about one main topic, and that is pinball hype. I really wanted to deconstruct what goes on inside people's heads that's, that creates this atmosphere of hype that you have to own the next pinball machine that's going to come out. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be fun. Um, before that, we're going to do a few news items of the day, and we're going to close out this podcast with something that really was troubling to me, that I was censored on the special when lit holiday pinball podcast episode. And I'm going to play for you what I originally sent them and then what aired on the show itself. We'll probably reverse order, but I can't believe they censored me. It was like a joke and they took out the punchline of the joke. Um, You'll hear that at the end of this podcast and I might even end it with a special treat related to that. All right. First, some pinball news. And we have to start this podcast with a little bit of, of sad news. And not a little bit. This was probably one of the most devastating threads I've ever seen on Pinside. And if you were reading it last night, um, German Pinball on Pinside put up a thread that said, my life ended today. My complete pinball collection burnt down. And this is this is not a joke. This is like a real story. He had 100 games in a house uh, or was, it, was, it was like a building, a commercial building, and the whole thing just burnt to the ground. And there's really devastating photos that he shared uh, of the fire department putting out the flame. They had to demolish the building because of concerns about the fire spreading. Uh, and it's just terrible, terrible story. So um, Ingo Kramer, who is German pinball on Pinside, he'd been building this collection for 14 years. He had 100 games uh, in his collection, and they're all gone. I mean, there, there is nothing that he can salvage here. Uh, and even making it more painful, he didn't have any insurance on the games themselves. So there's nothing you can really say. When someone loses a collection like this, um, it's gone. Uh, he, he's put 14 years of his life into that collection, and there's no insurance I, I will say this, and, and I echo what a lot of you have been saying on Pinside is, we're just happy that nobody was hurt in the fire because life is more precious than pinball. And none of this takes away from the pain. I'm just happy to hear that him and his son and nobody who was living in, in the vicinity of the fire was hurt. None of the firefighters were hurt putting out the fire. The games are gone. It, it's, it's a lesson to that you need to get insurance. Like there is no way around it. When you have a big collection of anything that's valuable, you can get it insured. And sometimes we're, we're all guilty of this. We sort of roll the dice on not wanting to get some of our things insured. Uh, now it's all gone. Like there's no way for him to financially recover the money that's lost in those games. So maybe there will be a GoFundMe set up for him. But it's just a, a, a real hard lesson for everyone is, is, you know, life is the most important thing. Your health is the most important thing. Get your stuff insured. Uh, and when something like this happens, there's nothing you can do but, uh, you know, but deal with the pain and, and, and move on and just be thankful you still have your health and you can always rebuild. That is the thing. You can always rebuild when material objects are lost. All right. 
All right. Well, again, our condolences to, to him and, and to his family and to everyone who, who is, it was a part of that story. Um, let's turn a page to something else. Let's turn a page to the Beatles Pinball Diamond Edition was offered for sale on Pinside, and I believe it's sold. And I want to read to you um, what it sold for. So it was being listed for $18,500. And I want to read the description on Pinside. It says, I will give you guys first shot before I head over to eBay, where I think this will sell quickly for twenty dollars to $22,000, as there are two there for thirty dollars to $33,000. This is number two out of 100, which makes it even more collectible. Let me just stop there for a second. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. Being number two out of 100 doesn't make it more collectible. Why? Why would that be more collectible? Does the number two signify anything in the Beatles universe? No. Was number two signed by a Beatles member? No. Uh, is the first one made more special? No. This isn't like serial number number one of like a, a rare card at Barrett Jackson. There is nothing about number two that makes it more collectible. All right. He then goes on to say, first preference will be given to somebody who can pick it up in person with cash in hand. Second preference is to ship it. Um, all right, please message me with any questions. Jim, I, I think his, his back flipper is his name on pin side. He, and it sold. It, it sold. Sale pending was, is the latest for $18,500 of a Beatles Diamond Edition. So what's interesting to me is this whole sale is why would he sell it on pin side if he can make two to $4,000 more on eBay? Is, is he doing us a favor? Is Jim a good guy? Thank you, Jim. You gave me a chance to, to pay $10,000 more than the gold edition of this game because you didn't take it to eBay. Um, the diamond editions, and look, people were, were messaging that they, they know a few that sold for $25,000. And I also can confirm that some sold for $25,000. So it is what it is. The Beatles Diamond Edition will always live on in infamy in the pinball collecting world. It'll just be a game that is out there that will stir up responses from people. It'll never truly be a game where if you stood over it and you said this thing cost $25,000, it'll never be a game that you'll be able to actually pinpoint something that justifies that value other than the rarity. And we're going to talk about that on this edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast when we talk about hype. And speaking of rarity, there is still a Big Bang Bar number 151 for sale on pin side that's new in box and we talked about this one i don't think anyone's ever going to pay 25k for a big bang bar in a box when we know it's being remade and the second you open up that box you are going to lose ten thousand dollars immediately maybe you got that kind of money to burn but i don't all right so the topic of this podcast is pinball hype and we're going to talk about this um, and i want to just break it down for you because it's the holidays and we are on the eve of a game that I think has a lot of hype surrounding it. And I, and I was asking myself, Chris, you know, because I talk to myself, this is what you have to do. You know, as people say, you have to have a narcissistic personality to do a pinball podcast like mine. I said, why is there so much hype around every new Stern game? Like they're, they're always able to do this. They're somehow able to create an environment in which people are going crazy and it becomes almost like a feeding frenzy moment to get your hands on a new pinball machine. And I wanted to just break it down. And the way I want to do it is this. 
I want to break down what I believe are the stages of hype in pinball. And I'm going to walk you through what those stages are. And, and, and let me know if you think you can relate to this as a pinball collector or buyer or, or, or hobbyist, okay? So stage number one of hype in pinball is curiosity. Now, you know, we all have this curiosity in us of what's next. You know, it, it, it almost reminds me of that scene in A Christmas Story where the box arrives and it says fragile on it, right? And he's like, it could be anything inside there. And that's sort of how we in the pinball hobby feel. We're always curious about what's next in pinball. We always have this feeling it could be anything. It could be a theme I love. It could be the most magical pinball machine of all time, whatever. But curiosity is always stage one of pinball hype, right? The second stage of pinball hype, and this is a big one, the second stage is the rumor stage. And the rumor stage is really an extremely powerful moment in the hype cycle, right? This is when somebody knows something that's completely subjective and speculative about the game, but they state it as a fact. And we begin to hear a rumor about the title. And that rumor begins to be passed around uh, on Pinside. People call us and talk about it. You get texts from a friend. Let me give you an example of a perfect rumor that is already spreading in the pinball world. And that rumor is this. John Borg said Munsters is his best game yet. Okay? Okay. Let's, let's deconstruct what a rumor like that means and and that that is a real rumor that is spreading throughout the pinball world right if we analyze it okay first let's ask one question what else would john borg say about his next game would he say it's just okay would he say it's mediocre i mean how ridiculous is it that we are literally the rumor is john borg thinks his next game is great and it's his best one ever okay so it's better than metallica it's better than this better than that and that's coming from John Borg, the last person on the planet Earth who could be subjective about his own creation, right? All right. So did John Borg even say this, right? Who did he say it to? What proof do we have that John Borg thinks that this is his best game to date? We have absolutely none. And yet that is the word on the street. So there's no confirmation that this was even said or it was, you know, we even know the source of the rumor. All right, right? And where did the rumor start? Right? And it's this is interesting too because if you think about it, how easy would it be for either someone over at Stern or just a, a fan of the Munsters to start a rumor like this? It is super simple to start these kinds of rumors because you have a very passionate base of people who will take whatever they hear and run with it. So how easy would it be for Stern Marketing or just a fan of the Munsters or a friend of John Borg to drop this kind of rumor into the community and just watch it go, watch it travel, right? Now, it's at this point where something powerful begins to develop and it's always the same thing. Something you've never seen before with your own eyes is being heralded as amazing. With almost nothing to go on, you begin to imagine its greatness with vicious repetition. By that, I mean you can't stop thinking and dreaming about what it will be. Okay, so we're at that stage where you hear rumor and then you begin to endlessly think about how great it is. 
Now, what if I told you um, the Jaws game that is in your head right now will always be better than the one that Stern finally releases, right? That your expectations and your imagination will always be much further ahead of what ultimately becomes the product of these games. And I see it all the time. You hear a theme like Star Wars, you hear a theme like Ghostbusters, you hear a theme like Jaws, and immediately in your head, you're thinking of all the possibilities that could happen in that pinball machine. And I'll tell you this, most of your ideas and most of the things that you people dream up and imagine are ultimately much better than the crappy toys and clunk fest realities of most of these machines. It, it's like, think about Star Wars for a minute. All the things you could imagine being in that game. You know, Yoda and Luke lifting up the X-Wing from the swamp, okay? All that, you know, Darth Vader and Luke lightsaber battling where they're actually moving and the swords are, are, are clashing with the sounds. There's so many scenes in Star Wars, we've talked about it all, that could have been brought to life. Instead, look at the game, right? Your imagination far ahead of it, all right? Now, the next stage, stage number three. So right now, just to recap, we've got the curiosity stage. We've got the rumor that the game is great. The next stage in the hype process is number three, which is the false sense of scarcity, right? That it's selling out or sold out already. Now, there, were no, there was no greater moment on this sort of, uh, you know, at this stage than Ghostbusters and Star Wars LEs. We knew both these games were coming, right? They were built upon franchises we all love. We love these themes. We had to have them. We were told each designer um, considered it to be amazing, that it was one of their best works to date. We had to have one. So we made sure we were on our distributor's list before either game was even revealed. And for those of you who remember when these games came out, you remember the, the, the list to get one was long. Or, or so we were told, and we're going to talk about that part of the hype cycle. So now look back, to be fair. Um, there is scarcity um, that is real with LEs. And can, if we think about the origin of scarcity, where I'm not going to be able to get one. Um, when they only made 400 Tron LEs with Daft Punk Multiball and fiber optic ramps, it did something to this hobby. But people seem to forget that there was no Tron Premium back then. It was truly a real LE because it had stuff in the game, play experience, that was limited to just those owners, right? Unless you had the LE, you didn't get the multiball, you didn't get the, the lighted ramps. Um, now with premiums, um, LE buyers really have nothing special besides cosmetic differences. And this is the big shift that's happened, that you will never miss out on getting a gameplay experience if you go with something lower than an LE because you could easily get the same game with the premium. Heck, on Jersey Jack's machines, it's the same game in the collectors, the limited, and the pro, right? Jack doesn't, Jack's pro version of Pirates is the same as the collector's edition. Think about that for a minute and then ask yourself why Jack has failed to create hype the way Stern does, all right? All right, but to collectors, does it matter, right? For them, for collectors, it's all about the rarity versus the gameplay. Is a rare baseball card a different experience than a non-rare baseball card? Other than what's visually in front of you as the collector, right? Okay, so now let's get back to the LE list. The other culprit in creating hype here, and this is we could say this is number four, is the distributor, right? 
because the distributor plays a big role in the hype process of these games. They are the gatekeepers to your dream. They are the drug dealers, right? Without them, you are screwed. Now, the season collector is in so good with his distributor that the distributor probably knows more about what that guy wants than that guy's own wife. This man sleeps like a baby at night knowing his distributor will hold every new LE for him. But the rest of us, there's a race to get on the list, right? We hear that on the list. Are you on the list to get Munster's LE? Are you there, right? And I think no, I didn't hear this more than, than Star Wars. The list to get a Star Wars LE, it felt like it was a mile long with every distributor, right? It's at this moment distributors have all the power and they could tell you anything and you'd probably believe it. Here are some common things you would hear from a distributor at this stage in the hype cycle. You could hear, my list is full. And, and oh my God, when you hear that, oh my God, like it's already sold out at this distributor. I have to run and go get it from someone else. You could hear, I got no more spots. Or right, sorry, I got one more spot if you want it. That's my favorite. There's one more spot if you want it. A distributor could tell that to 10 people and they all would think they got the last remaining spot. And I've had many distributors tell me stuff like this. Like, I only got two more, Chris, and one's for my personal collection, but you can have the other. Or I got one more. It's normally my personal one, but if you want it, it's yours. They could also tell you there's so much demand uh, that they don't know what they're going to do yet. That also creates a lot of hype and hysteria. They could tell you, I can put you on the list, but it's really long already. They could tell you, you're number one on my list. They could tell you, we don't take names until the game is revealed. And we've all heard different versions of, of, of these statements um, from distributors. Now, what if, uh, what I never understood is this, and this is something that continues to perplex me. Why not just put your name down for every hot new LE? It costs nothing other than a phone call or an email to get on a distributor's list for a game. Never once have I personally had a problem getting an LE at MSRP. Not once. Because I simply gave my name, my number, my email to multiple distributors and it was super simple. And I was always offered the game to buy at MSRP. Okay, so to recap to this date where we are in the hype process. You're curious to learn more. You heard it's the best game ever. You're afraid it's going to sell out and you've never seen it with your own eyes, right? This creates the perfect storm of emotions for the pinball collector. It's at this moment he experiences FOMO, right? That fear of missing out. He's mentally made up in his mind that he has to have one. He has to get on the list now, today, before it's too late. And he has to do it before 500 other people do or he'll miss out. Now, you notice how I'm using he and him. Women are much too smart to display such stupid behavior. Go up to any woman on planet Earth and tell her you're nervous about something. Then look her in the eye and say, I'm nervous about not getting a limited edition Munster's pinball machine um, because only 500 will be made for $9,000. She'll probably be gone before you even finish that last sentence, all right? Now, every once in a while, your fear of missing out will actually come true, right? That oh-so-special Ellie will be spoken for on day one. But I'm here to tell you today 
that in my five years of following this hobby, only the following titles have been hard to get at MSRP during the first week of launch. Now, can you guess? Just think about this for a few seconds. Can you guess which titles were impossible to get week one of being revealed by the manufacturer? And I'm going to give you like five seconds. We'll call it a Christopher Franchi moment of silence for five seconds or 10 seconds where you try to remember which games were impossible to get on week one at MSRP. All right, go. Do, 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 Okay, we're back. Do you, have, do you have them in your head? There's two of them. And those two titles are Ghostbusters LE and Batman 66 LE slash Super LE. Those are the only two games that even if you wanted one, they were spoken for. There were none to be had. They were gone. In fact, Ghostbusters and Batman LE were both spoken for before they even were revealed. I think Ghostbusters more so than Batman. That's it, right? And only one of those games is still hard to get today. Which one is it, right? And it's, of course, Batman. Ghostbusters LE, look how far the hype train has fallen on that game. It is off the rails. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. Now, I want to tell you something right now. And you know me. I'm, I'm very honest and transparent with you, the listener. I have flipped pinball machines before. And I understand this hype cycle. And I've used it to my advantage. And I've also used it to get people out there who missed out on getting a game, their game. I sold both a Ghostbusters and a Batman LE uh, to people who missed out. They, didn't, they weren't aware the games were coming out. When they, were, when they learned about them, they were already sold out, and I made nice profit. But those gentlemen were also happy. There's this misconception that someone who pays more than sticker is immediately an unhappy customer. That's not the case. But I'll tell you who is an unhappy customer. And this happened around a game that came out this year, and that is Iron Maiden. All right, I sold a $9,000 Iron Maiden for $12,000. How did that happen? How was I able to sell Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast LE for almost, you know, for $3,000 more than Stern thinks it's worth? Well, the answer is simple. Because on day 1, this is the, this is how it works, the hype train. I'm letting you in on it. Because the buyer believed the hype. On day 1 of the reveal, I posted my game on eBay with a message that they were sold out. And they were sold out, but there, there is a difference. What it means is Stern sold every single one. They sold them through to distributors. So you could not, and distributors, for the most part, they were spoken for. You know, so they were. There was like one day where like everyone was like, I can't find an LE of Iron Maiden. So all 500 were spoken for, right? So does that mean they're worth 3,000 over sticker? In the first few days of reveal, it's impossible to, to tell a few things. And this is the important thing, is people only pay over for a title like Iron Maiden if you capture them in the first 24 to 48 hours of the reveal of the game. Because that is when the hype and the fear of missing out is the greatest. Now, here's what's impossible to tell during that window. It's impossible to tell how many flippers bought the game, right? Because the flippers, the guys like me who are trying to see what the secondhand value is, they're, they're not sure yet where to price it at. 
And you don't know how many people are going to try to flip the game because let's say, for example, 50 flippers buy Iron Maiden LE. Well, that's a lot of games that are going to come up for sale in the first week or two of the game being announced. And if it was only one or two available, you know, then it's, you know, then the price keeps going up and up and up because if you want one, there's not many available for sale. But if 50 or 100 LEs come up for sale because flippers have them, the prices will keep racing back down towards MSRP, right? It's also impossible to tell what the secondhand value is right away. You don't know. You don't know yet because no one's even done a single transaction. So what is an Iron Maiden LE worth day two after reveal if they're all gone at 9,000? Is it worth 10? Is it worth 11? I don't know. How many distributors still have games for sale? This is the other thing that I've noticed in this hobby is a lot of distributors will not release all of their inventory on day one. They are waiting to see what the market demand is for the game, right? Because a distributor can charge more than sticker for a game. They don't have to sell it for 9,000, right? But here's the most important thing. This is to me, if, if you were to ask me, what is the most important thing every new buyer should figure out before they run to the hype and, and, and they have to have it? This is the thing that nobody really knows the first day or two after Stern reveals a game. And it is the most important lesson in all of pinball. Can you guess it? How the game shoots. Is it even a good game? And this is why Stern's marketing is genius, is they are able to create this hype and hysteria when 500 people who bought you know, Ghostbusters LE before they even saw it, they had no idea how that game shot. And Ghostbusters is probably the greatest example of a game that had the greatest demand before people even saw it. And it turned out to be one of the worst shooting pinball games ever. The game is a total dog, right? After a few flips, most pinball players would agree it's got some serious design flaws that detract from the fun of the game. And that is the reason why today Ghostbusters LE is not in high demand. Ghostbusters Premium is not talked about frequently. Ghostbusters is just a bad design. The flipper gap, the balls jumping over the rails, there's too many shots, the shots are too tight, all the things that go wrong in that game. Slimer drags his ass across the play field and then what, what is seemingly one of the worst design mechs I've ever, I can't understand. Who, who looked at Slimer dragging his ass across the play field and thought, yeah, that's good. Um, anyway, the thing is, it didn't matter. Stern sold every one. I sold my Ghostbusters for I think two to three thousand dollars over MSRP. It didn't because you had to have it. You didn't even know you liked the game yet. That's incredible. That is absolutely an incredible thing about pinball is that people run to it. Right when people say it's it's John Borg's best game ever, Monsters. No one's played it. Nobody. I actually spoke to someone who played it. You know what they said? It's fun. It's fun. Then they're not like, oh my God, it's the greatest pinball machine ever, right? So it brings up a good point. And this is really an important point when it comes to pinball hype is why can't we wait, right? The biggest enemy to hype is the patient man. The patient man in pinball is also what Stern's marketing department fears the most, right? And here's why. Because the patient man 
He does not buy before he plays. He does not pay more for something than the manufacturer thinks it's worth. He does not buy a pin with incomplete code. He does not need every new thing. He's content with the games he has. The patient man knows that everything becomes available for a good price once the hype dies down. And the patient man, he happily watches on the sideline as people fight each other to buy overpriced art packages on limited games. After following this hobby for a long time, you realize it's made up of men from all walks of life, right? Some men can buy whatever they want on a whim and sleep three stories above their 1,000 square foot game rooms in king-sized beds. Other men have pinball machines in the kitchen of their double wide. And then there's the rest of us in between. Each of us has our own reasons for loving pinball and wanting new machines. There is no blanket statement like hype for pinball is, a, is bad and unhealthy, right? It's not. It affects us each differently. But I'd like to leave you all, not with a conclusion, but with just some things to think about. Some things to ponder before you rush in and add another pinball machine to the house. All right? And we're doing this because, again, I think a lot of you are mentally going through this as you wait for the monsters to be revealed. This is the most important thing. If I could tell you one thing that I've noticed in this hobby, everything comes up for sale. You will never miss out on the opportunity to get it down the road, ever. You will always get a chance to buy the game, whether it's Magic Girl or the Matrix game from Europe or Big Bang Bar or Kingpin. I've seen every title come up for sale, right? The next point is 500 of any $9,000 toy is not limited. That's a lot. There, there are not that many people that have to have these games. Many will come up for sale, even new in box years later, if you just wait. All right, the next point, it's fun to imagine and dream about what's next in pinball. We all do it. It also costs nothing to do that. The best things in life are free. Sometimes just dream about it, enjoy it, imagine it, but you don't always have to rush and go buy it. Expectations usually exceed the experience in this and most hobbies. And by that, I mean the game that's in your head is far better than the game that will come out. And your experience will probably rarely justify the amount of money and the amount of time you spent thinking and dreaming about the pinball machine. And here's the next point. Every game will get boring. I Just remember that. When a man gets bored, he will want it gone. And that's when stuff always becomes a steal in this hobby. $6,000, you can get a Hobbit Smaug LE right now. Why is that? Because someone had it, they enjoyed it. Two years later, they're bored of it and they want to get rid of it. The other point I want to make is games in this, in, in this hobby are usually kept in pretty good condition because so many of these games are going into home collector environments. And that means you can get them used in incredible condition. So you don't have to worry about getting a game that's all beat up. Also, a lot of these games come from the manufacturers with issues and the first owner will actually solve a lot of the problems, which actually makes secondhand ownership a less frustrating experience than being the 
original owner of the game. And you have to look no further than opening up the Pirates of the Caribbean thread. It is a troubleshoot thread, not a thread about how excited those gentlemen are to get their games. All right? All right. Pinball is something that you have to enjoy playing. The sexiest pin of all time was also the worst playing pinball machine ever, and that's Magic Girl. Make sure you enjoy playing a game before you jump in to buy it. All right, and my next point is yes, it is lame to buy a game and sell it after 20 plays. People won't say that to your face, but it's what everybody is thinking. And we see those threads all the time on Pinside. Just got my Deadpool. It's not the game for me. Got 20 plays. Here it is. You know, why? Why would you buy it when you can play it on location in so many different places? All right. Here, here's where we get a little bit more deep and meta and philosophical when it comes to hype and needing to buy in this hobby. Do you need another pinball machine? Why? Will it make you happy? Will you be happier if you get another title, right? Are you bored of the games you have? Is it time to sell some of them and just simplify your life? Are you placing too much emphasis on these machines? Could this money benefit you and your family in a better way? I think that's probably a question that a lot of us ask. It's a question my financial advisor asks me when she hears I'm buying another pinball machine. How much are you living for today and how much are you living for tomorrow? And that's just a question for life. And I think a lot of us who collect stuff and spend a lot of money on unnecessary items, we have to juggle that. But you should also enjoy today. I, I'm, I, you, you will ask all of my friends and family, I, I spend a lot of money on enjoying today. But I also do that because I know I have money being put away for tomorrow. I would not feel good about buying a pinball machine today if I owed a lot of money uh, on things that were, you know, that, that I needed for tomorrow or I was in debt on a lot of stuff. You know, I was once talking to someone who had $100,000 in student loans and he was buying pinball machines. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you, in five years, if you work with a financial advisor, you could get rid of that. But in yet he's like flipping pinball machines and it made no sense to me. Anyway, um, why aren't you saving this money for Jaws pinball is my next question. Um, and ultimately, I want to leave you with this. Didn't you hear that Toy Story is Pat Lawler's best game ever and it's already sold out? So that is the process that we go through with each new title. It's the mental gymnastics we all do when it comes to pinball. Ultimately, I think all of us should try to learn some lessons from the patient man and sort of let go of the man who's driven to buy because of the hype. You know, I, I have the luxury of not having room. So my hype ends with space. I, I really only have room for one machine in my home, but I know a lot of you out there have room for multiple machines. And, I, and, and because of that, you're always sort of, you, you, you get excited because you're in the game. You, you can go get it and there's room for it and there's pro hopefully there's money for it. Uh, but I will say this, I've, I've studied this hobby for five years and I do think that the hype train is kind of ridiculous. And when you're on it, you make bad decisions and you rush into stuff and you find yourself uh, you know, ex ex exhilarated by the chase and the wait. And that's, that's the other point, right? Is waiting for these things, chasing after them, trying to find one, securing one, right? There, 
there is like a sense of accomplishment we get when we feel like we got one. We got a Star Wars LE. We got a Ghostbusters LE. I got one of them. But really, it's not really a sense of accomplishment because they're really not that rare. You, the distributors and Stern would love you to think you did that, like you accomplished something important and, and now you're like going to be ecstatic when it arrives and, and, you're, and it's all going to work out. Uh, but I've noticed in this hobby that the chase oftentimes is more exciting than the, the destination. That once you get to the game itself, it ends up being just another pinball game. And for those of you out there who have many, many games, it, it's, it gets harder and harder and harder for that experience to, to wow you, to give you that excitement that pinball used to give you years ago. It, it, it's almost like cigarette smokers. You know, that first cigarette is amazing, but years later they need to smoke four packs to get the same sensation. And same is true with pinball is you're not going to open up the Munsters and it's not going to do anything to you that other machines haven't done to you before. And over time, chasing that high requires a lot more energy, effort, money, space, all the things to try and just get to that childlike giddiness that we get when we open up a pinball machine, right? So that's my advice. I ultimately, again, this is just me. If you have friends with collections and you're close to games on location, I would take advantage of that as much as possible. I, 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 would, you know, I think the last thing I would do nowadays is just run and buy. And, and again, it's, it's just me. For some of you, that's a mute point, right? You're millionaires. You got so much money, it means nothing. You could spend $9,000 on a dinner and you wouldn't even notice it in your checking account. And that's awesome. I hope to get there. Like I, I literally... Hope one day I can do that. I, I can buy a pinball machine and not even feel the impact. I'm not there yet. Um, make decisions that will leave you in the long run feeling happy and satisfied, okay? All right, I'm going to get off the soapbox. That's just my analysis of how pinball hype works in this hobby, all right? All right, let's end this podcast with uh, my censorship on special when lit they did an amazing holiday episode and it was awesome they got almost every single pinball personality in the world to give their new year sort of resolution and to give their prediction for 2019 and it was great they had everybody you can think of on there and i was i was honored and humbled to be asked to provide something now you know my show and my show is my show because it's a little bit snarky provocative it, it, you know it, it, it is what it is and so I want to play for you what they aired. And then I want to play for you what I originally sent them. And I want you to see if you can pick what they removed out of my uh, segment that they aired. All right. So let's play for you first what they let you hear on their show. Happy holidays, everyone. This is Kaneda from Kaneda's Pinball Podcast, the one podcast that no one ever admits to listening to. I want to thank Ken and all of you out there uh, for being the best hobbyists in the world. Super excited that pinball is a part of all of our lives. So my 2019 resolution is this. I am no longer going to say anything bad about Team Pinball's The Mafia Pinball Machine. In fact, now that I think about it, I think it is the greatest pinball machine the world has ever seen. And my prediction for 2019 is that we're going to see a thinning out 
of pinball manufacturers. There's okay, so I'm gonna stop it there because that was the section that was edited. And you'll and if you listen to it, and I just listened to it with you as well, it's not funny. And it, it doesn't make me laugh. It, it, it just felt like it went from one thing to the other. And it had, I was talking about Team Mafia. Now, I want to play for you what I originally sent them. And you let me know if this was better and, and more of an indication of, of this pinball podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. This is Canada from Canada's Pinball Podcast, the one podcast that no one ever admits to listening to. I want to thank Ken and all of you out there uh, for being the best hobbyist in the world. Super excited that pinball is a part of all of our lives. So my 2019 resolution is this. I am no longer going to say anything bad about Team Pinball's The Mafia Pinball Machine. In fact, now that I think about it, I think it is the greatest pinball machine the world has ever seen. It's <laughs> 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 making it revolting. <laughs> and my prediction for 2019 okay i'm gonna stop it right there did you notice the little difference it was a small little difference but it made a huge difference in hilarity in the two clips and of course it was the laugh track included now i asked them over at special when lit why it was removed because that was the whole punchline of my segment and they said that marty and ryan over at head to head pinball were offended by the laugh track and wanted it removed so they removed it now of course if i was ken i would do the same thing if someone wanted something taken out i would take it out but but I paid good money for the laugh track from Ryan and Marty's show. And, and, and so as a holiday treat to all of you, and we're not going to remove it from this show, I listened to the last head-to-head pinball and I assembled every single moment in which they laughed during the show. And I want to air it for you now. It's amazing. It's incredible. It might be the greatest thing I've ever assembled for this pinball podcast. And it's my holiday gift to you, the listeners. So without further ado, head-to-head pinball, laugh track, 2018. there's lots of pictures out there <laughs> awesome. 17 of them to get through <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh no it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played it yet, but I've heard so many people say they've walked away from it. So it's actually split my side. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, just so people know. <laughs> oh my 
I mean. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, funny. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's run out of jokes. Porno gifts. We are the worst. We have the worst podcast ever. We suck. That was all just from one episode. But look, Marty and Ryan, I love the show. Everyone, happy holidays. It's just pinball. Have fun with this hobby. People get so bent out of shape about the dumbest stuff, right? It's like we're just jabbing at each other. Everyone, happy holidays. Don't fall victim to the hype train. And I really, I want to be drinking whatever Ryan and Marty are drinking because I want to be able to laugh like that. I can't, you know, maybe I'm just like, everyone's just laughing at me. I can't laugh with you guys. Anyway, have a happy holidays. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 